0: In all of our lives, we have experiences at different levels. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever seen a picture of somebody who is whitewater rafting? Ever seen that? I want to tell you, that is an experience. It is a low-level experience. You are vicariously living through someone else, but you are seeing and having an experience of white water rafting. It is something else when you talk with somebody who has actually been there who has actually gotten on the raft, who has actually gone down the creek, who has actually experienced the rush and the adrenaline that takes place when they tell you about what it is. Their eyes light up, they get a little excited because they have now faced a fear and they have overcome it. But there is another level and that is when you wind up on the bank. When the instructor looks at you and says you will wear this life vest because if you don't wear this life vest, you are going to drown. And it's something else when they say, you are going to put this helmet on. You are going to wear this helmet because we don't want to leave part of your brain scattered down the Okoy River as we let it loose. And all of a sudden, as you step into that raft and that water is released and you begin to go down that, the experience begins to be unlike anything that has ever happened to you before. And you are living it. And when you come out on the other side, you can tell somebody else about what you have just experienced, but your experience has just moved up to a whole nother level. What we are talking about over these next few weeks is how do we go from that aspect of a static looking at who God is and how He relates to mankind and how do we move to that place where it is that white-knuckle adrenaline rush for living for God. And you say, well, Pastor, I I don't know if I want that. Listen, God came to this earth, the Bible says in John 10.10, that you could have life and that you could have that life, what, more abundantly. So I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew, the first chapter, and as you're doing that, let me welcome those who are joining us at our campus this morning, and we pray that God ministers to you today through His Word, as well as to those of us who are here uh, locally as well. The book of Matthew, the first chapter, beginning in verse number one, says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, The son of Abraham. Now if it stopped there, it really wouldn't mean much to us. The son of David, the son of Abraham, that's great, that's wonderful. But drop down to verse 21. The angel says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. Would you say that with me? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. I began talking to us last week about this whole experience of God. How do we experience God? And we talked last week about the whole aspect of Father, that as we relate to who God is, that He is our Father and how He takes care of us and protects us and loves us provides for us, and I won't re-preach that sermon, just get the CD, all right? Uh, but we talked about that last week, but, but there's another aspect we want to talk about today, and that is what is referred to as the sun, and, and when you begin to read that, when I, when I begin to read that today, I thought, you know what, you know that names evoke a certain feeling, Right? If I say the name Billy Graham, that kind of evokes something in a lot of us who maybe, maybe you got saved watching a Billy Graham crusade. And, and when you hear that name, it, it just does something uh, to you. If, if I were to say uh, the name maybe of our president, President Barack Obama, that, that brings hopefully to us uh, a sense of, of, of assurance and, and direction or whatever that a president is supposed to bring to us. If, if I were to say uh, the name of one of your favorite movie stars, you know, if I said Jennifer Aniston. If I said Halle Berry, I always get in trouble with Halle, don't I? I just quote scripture. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> That's Bible. I'll just keep moving. Uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan or whatever, you know, if I, if I gave you, and I won't go into these, but I gave you your favorite uh, country singer or your favorite, uh, you know, rap star or whoever it is, it, it, those, those names evoke something to each of us, but there is a name that the Bible says that is a name that's above every name. There's a name above Billy Graham. There's a name above President Barack Obama. There's a name uh, above whoever it is that you can think of. There's a name that's above your favorite sports star or whatever, and that is the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who has redeemed us from our sin. And, and so, when we, we begin to look at this, why is it that God revealed himself and came to earth as a man? What is that? I, I really believe with all of my heart that the reason is First Peter, the second chapter, tells us that we should follow in his steps, speaking of Jesus. And so, I believe with all of my heart that the reason that Jesus came to this earth was to be an example to us. Uh, all of a sudden, this Creator. You know, when, when you begin to talk about God, th- that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around, isn't it? Am I the only one? When, when you start using words such as omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. See, you've got to be preacher voice to even use those words. Right? When, when, when you talk about those kind of things, those, those things are just... Wow, what does that mean? You know, the Alpha and the Omega. Some of you think I'm talking about a fraternity or a sorority. The beginning and the end. You know, what, what, what does all that mean? But when you talk about Jesus, I understand. When you talk about one who came as a baby into a manger, was born in lowly circumstances, who, who came to this earth and, and, and he became Human, and yet there was the humanity of him, but there was also the divinity of him. The Scripture talks time and again about the Son of Man, and then later it'll talk about the Son of God. And, and when you begin to research it, most theologians will tell you that when it is referring to the Son of Man, it is, re- it is talking about the humanity of Jesus. When it talks about the Son of God, it is talking about the divinity or who God really is in Jesus Christ. And so as we begin to look at that, all of a sudden, we, we begin to understand some things. And I begin to say, wait a minute, this God, who is the creator of the world, became a man. Came to this earth to be a human being, to experience what it's like for 33 and a half years, to walk upon this earth, to exist as a human being. And I want to tell you, I know that God, uh, is an, He understood all things and by Him all things were made. But when God became man, don't miss it. When God became man and dwelt among us, I believe that there was a whole new understanding that came to this aspect. Because when you live as a man, when you conduct your life as a man, all of a sudden things are different. Jesus Christ came to this earth. And so as, as we begin to look at this, there are some characteristics that I want to share with you this morning. And then I want to show you how that we kind of live this out in, in our life. Uh, the, the Bible, take your Bibles if you want to and go to the book of John, the first chapter. And, and we'll just kind of read this together. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 says this. In the beginning was the was Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God verse 14 said and the word became flesh and dwelt among us as we beheld his glory as the the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the first characteristic about Jesus is is that he is the word revealed Halley's handbook says this about Jesus Uh, it says Jesus was God's expression of himself to mankind Jesus was his expression have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and you just ran out of words ever ever tried that have you ever tried to describe a new sensation maybe maybe it's a new food you found and and it's just well I shouldn't do this it'll make you hungry so I'll be real careful with it. it it's, it's that, you, you know, you start trying to describe it and, 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 and you just finally run out and say, man, you know, the only thing I know is, is that we'll just go down there and eat it. We'll, we'll just get that. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll drive to that restaurant. And I, that's the only way I, because my words just fail. I believe that even though we had the Bible, we had the Old Testament, uh, it, it couldn't describe who Jesus was. It couldn't tell us who God was. When, when you begin to look in the Old Testament, it said, he's El Shaddai. Well, that's good. He's Elyon. Well, that's wonderful. He's Jehovah Jirah, That's good. He's Jehovah. Yeah, all those things. I, I, I see all of that. But, but all of a sudden, the, there had to be the expression of God coming to earth. And, and so the Bible says that he was the Word revealed. He he is he is the word. So so when I begin to read that, and I don't want to try to jump into a whole bunch of stuff here, but the word there is logos. But that logos, the word became flesh. The word became revealed. The word came to us. How many of you know that when you begin to read the book of Genesis, you see time and again in the first chapter it says, "And God said, and God said, and God right, and God said, and God." That's the word of God. And God said, and God said, and then all of a sudden it says, "And God saw." What God says, He sees, and all of a sudden, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why Jesus was so careful in what He said. He, he didn't. Jesus didn't have any idle words, because if He had, we would have been in trouble. Because whatever Jesus said came to pass. If Jesus said we're going to the other side, guess what? You go in there. I don't care what comes against you. You're going to the other side. If Jesus said, feed the 5,000 plus the wives and children, it's going to be all right. You can feed them. I know all you got is a couple of little loaves and a and few fish, and, and, and but, but just go ahead because if Jesus said it, that word spoken, that word revealed is going to produce it. That's why when Jesus showed up, remember the story of, of Lazarus? Remember that whole thing uh, where, where the, the brother of Martha and Mary dies? And they send for Jesus, and Jesus gets there. And and the first thing that it says about Jesus when he gets there, it says, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Probably the first one you memorized. If you don't have any, that's one for you today. Jesus wept. Now you know Scripture. All right? But after that, here's what it says. It says that Jesus said, take away the stone, and then watch what he said. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because he had to be specific. If he had just said, come forth, everything that had died that was under the sound of his voice, from every cricket to every squirrel to every alligator to whatever it is that had died that was under his sound, for 4,000 years would have come up out of the earth. And so Jesus is very precise. Can you imagine all of a sudden everybody that's dead in the tombs coming forth? Talk about rocking your world. And Jesus is real careful. Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because he was the word revealed. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible lets us know that in Colossians 2, 9, I want to show you its characteristic. It says, for in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of God bodily. Now don't, don't ask me to explain this because I can. I just give you the word. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus. So the second characteristic of Jesus is that he is the Godhead expressed. He's the word revealed, but he's the Godhead expressed. All of a sudden, listen, how many of you have trouble when, when you begin to talk about spirits? The rest of you are weird. I mean, you start, you start telling stories about spirits, and oh, there's spirits in here. I start getting nervous. I mean, doors start opening and closing by themselves. I'm, what's wrong with y'all? I mean, lights start going on and off. I'm going, wait, wait, wait. We got trouble here. See, I, I. Pastor, I'm, I'm uh, into a new dimension. I'm, I'm always in the Spirit. Really? Walk through the wall. <laughs> no, really. I mean, if you're always in the Spirit, Spirit's just kind of and Jesus was the Godhead bodily in Him. In fact, when you study Scripture, what you find is, is that every other expression of the Godhead is spiritual. Go read it. Jesus is the embodiment of the Godhead. And so when I begin to look at that, what what I know is this, is that when, when Jesus spoke something, there was power. There was anointing. There was release. There was glory. Why? Because he's the Godhead in human form revealed to mankind. But it doesn't stop there. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Do you know that the Bible says this about the name of Jesus? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will what? Bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every. Listen, let me help you here. You say, well, so and so, they're they're never, oh, yeah, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. Everybody from Hitler to Mother Teresa are going to bow their knee, and they are going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, that there is none like unto him. The Word of God lets us know that there is authority in that name. There is something about the name of Jesus that is power. I mean, you, you just mention the name Jesus and the atmosphere begins to change. You start singing a song about Jesus. And I, you, you, could, you could have sung about a lot of things, but all of a sudden when you begin to sing a song about Jesus... You just begin to sense something taking place. Why? Because there is authority in that name. Everything else bows to the name of Jesus. Every principality, every king, every ruler bows to the name of Jesus. You and I need to understand that. We need to know how to live that way. And so, this is who Jesus is. This is. The encapsulation, in a sense, of who he was as he walked upon this earth. I, I, I love it. Jesus was a man of action. If you really want to, to find the action aspect of Jesus, go read the book of Mark. Mark just jumps right into it. He he doesn't start out with Jesus as a baby and all that. He just starts out, uh, you know, with John baptizing and Jesus, and and he he immediately gets Jesus in action. He, he puts Jesus in the wilderness. He puts Jesus healing the paralytic. He puts Jesus casting. Out. I mean, he, he just moves. I love a guy with action. I hate chick flicks. I mean, if somebody doesn't get shot at in the first five minutes, I'm out of there. I like action. Jesus was action. Jesus was, for three and a half years, who was it, John that said, he said in that three and a half years, he said, I, he said, I suppose that if all the books in the world tried to describe everything he did, he said they couldn't contain it all. Can you imagine three and a half years? Now we we we're we're so profound and professional now, and I'll hurry and get out of this. But but we said, well, you've got to understand if you know God, uh, he you know He moves in timelessness, and He moves. Yeah, but but talk to Jesus about three and a half years. Look look at look at what happens in three. I mean, it's it's not. It'll be all right. It's, it's moving, man. It's healing people. It's casting out devils. It's raising the dead. It, it's feeding. It's bringing about the kingdom of God to this earth. That's what Jesus does, and that's what he reveals, and that's what uh, he brings to us. And, and so you and I, if he is our example, then how do we experience that? I, I think I found the ingredient to that. Go, take your Bibles. Go to the book of Luke, the second chapter, because I, I want to I point out a couple of verses and, and bring four points to you real quick. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 51 in just a moment. How many of you know that the the scripture really doesn't give us a whole lot about Jesus until he's 30 years of age? You you know, you kind of got that initial thing about his birth. And then you got, you know, the deal about eight days later, they take him to the temple and they do the whole ritual there in the temple. And then we don't hear about him for the next 11 plus years. Then when he's 12 years old, we get a little capsule, a little, little place, and this is where we're going to be this morning. And, and then we go f- until he's 30 and really don't know what happened. And I think that that's needful for us because th- this passage of Scripture, I think, is going to show us what Jesus was up to uh, in that time. Look, look there in Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52. It says, Then he went down with them. This is after that they lost him in the temple deal. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in, the favor, and in favor with God and men. How do you and I come to that place where we live through what Jesus has done and we live the same way that Jesus is? And I think it's found in those two verses. I know you say, well, can't you go to when he's do it, Yeah, yeah. I think it's found in these two verses. Let, let's look at it. There's four things that are listed there. The first thing it says is, is that Jesus was subject to them. He was subject to his mother and father. So number one is, in our lives, we must be subject to authority. If I really want to live like Jesus, and uh, he is, if he's my example, then I've got to be subject to authority. Now, now let, me, let me deal with this. Get ready. You ready? No, are you ready? All right. That means even if I didn't vote for him, well, I'm a Republican, well, I'm a Democrat, well, I'm an Independent, I'm an Independent, I'm a Communist, I'm a whatever. Doesn't matter, once they get in there, the Bible says you're subject to them. And, and what would happen? Let me, let me just throw this out to all love and truth churches. What would happen to love and truth churches if instead of us complaining all the time about all the things that are wrong, what if we would begin to do what the Scripture says, and that is that we are to pray for those who are in authority? Just a thought. Just a thought. I don't have to agree with a president's politics. I don't have to agree with a congressman's politics. I don't have to agree with a Supreme Court justice's decision. But I am given the injunction from Scripture that, number one, I am subject to those who are in authority. And number two, I am to pray for them. And if I will do that, then God can begin to bring these other things into my life. second thing it says about him, it says, is that he increased in wisdom. All right, Let me, as you're writing that down, let me just remind you that not only are you to be subject to authority, civil authority, you're also to be subject to the authority of those that God places you under in His house. See, I kind of moved on and came back to it. I'm not talking about dictatorial authority. I'm not talking about abusiveness. But I am talking about that God tells you that you are to be under authority within the local house that's why everybody needs a local church you and jesus having your own thing going is not biblical jesus wants you to be part of a body why because part of that is so you can be subject to authority the the second thing it says about jesus he increased in wisdom have you ever been around some people you just would wish would increase in wisdom (laughs) That, that you just look at them and go man i i wish you'd get a little wisdom let, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you a real easy way to increase wisdom. How many of you would like to know how to increase in wisdom? If your neighbor did not raise their hand, that shows us something. <laughs> uh, here's why you can do that. Very easy, but it really works. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters in it, that covers every day of the month. The book of Proverbs was written according to Scripture by the wisest man who has ever lived. If you would every day, whatever the day of the, of the month is, if you would read one proverb every day, wisdom would begin to come to your life. And so if it's the 12th day, you read the 12th proverb. If it's the 23rd day, you read the 23rd proverb. Whatever the day of the month it is, you read that, and as you do, wisdom begins to come into your life. The second way to get wisdom, the Bible says in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth generously. And the King James Version says without upbraiding. That means he won't get on your case if you ask for it. I don't know about you, but I need more wisdom every day. And the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom. And then it says he grew in stature. Thirdly is he grew naturally. He took care of himself he he grew you say how do you know that jesus took care of his natural body because he was a jew he lived up listen jesus was not a christian well hallelujah jesus was a jew he observed the jewish traditions he observed the jewish customs you know that thing about the hem of his garment? That's a Jewish custom. All those things we read, we, we read it from our Western Christian perspective. Jesus wasn't a Western Christian. Jesus was a Jew. So therefore, Jesus ate kosher. So he took care of it. Now, I'm not, don't, don't go too far. I'm not recommending you go, you, you know, you eat on a kosher diet. It wouldn't hurt you. It'd be better for you. But what I am saying is, is that Jesus took care of himself. Naturally. Isn't it interesting how many of us want Jesus to heal us of what we've eaten ourselves into? Oh, hallelujah, glory to God, amen. Let's get out of there. Let's go to the next one. Fourthly, the Bible says he increased in favor with God and men. I want to tell you something. There's a way to gain favor with God, and that is to be a person after God's own heart. Re- read the story of David. i, I got to get this closed, but read the story of David. Da- David did stuff that other people got killed for, and yet God just kept looking at him saying, that's my boy. Lord, you see what he did? Yeah, but that's my boy. That's David. You know David, don't you? Why? Because David, the Bible says David had a heart after God. He, he was pursuing God. I mean, I mean, every time David would get in a mess, he'd start stringing his heart and start playing and saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God said, I can't mess with that. That's my boy. <laughs> do, do you, watch this. We, we think God is this ogre in heaven. The, the Bible lets us know that God desires to be gracious to you. God is waiting just so he can put some more grace on you. David understood that. And, and so, David, if, if you want favor in your life, be a person after God's own heart. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. Read David's life. He sure didn't. But God put favor on him. Took him out of the backside of nowhere where nobody knows him, nobody loves him, everybody's forgotten about him, brings him and makes him the king, and then just lets him slide on by. Why? Because he was a man after God. He grew in favor. But you know what? You can also grow in favor with men. You can grow in favor with people. And listen, you don't have to be in favor with everybody. You just have to be in favor with the right somebody. I tell our staff here all the time I said, said, listen, let me tell you something. You don't have to please all the people in this church, you just have to please me. (laughs) It's real simple, it's real easy. They don't work for the church, they work for me. I work for the church, all the other staff works for me. They got one person to please. That can be good. If they've got favor from me, they're great. Listen, favor will take you places that nothing else will take you. Ever heard the name Dr. Oz? Favor. A gal named Oprah favor dr phil oprah phil favor it's that simple in your life if you want to experience the aspect of who jesus is as you begin to operate in that dimension you will begin to see what jesus can do you say well pastor how how do i How do I get there? How do I have this in my life? Well, well, first of all, you have to accept his sacrifice. He died for you, and you have to accept that. You have to come to him and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Today I want to receive what you have done for me. But another aspect there is is that the the Bible refers to the church as the bride of who? Christ. The bride of Christ. Who's Christ? That word Christ is not Jesus' last name. I know we think it is jesus christ john smith no 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 the word christ means the anointed one so we are the bride of the anointed one who's the anointed one jesus is he's been given a name that's above every name how do i get there H- how do i get the authority for this name well according to scripture as i am baptized into his name i am then given his authority the, bo- the book of colossians kind of brings this out for us as, as we look at it look if you've got your bibles look at colossians 2 verse 9. It says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We talked about that a moment ago. And you are complete in Jesus, who is the head. Who is? Jesus is the head of what? All principality and power. In Him you were also circumcised. I don't get caught up in that word. that just means that that's the sign of the covenant. In him you were also circumcised with well, the circumcision made without hands, it's not a natural, by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How does that happen? Look in verse 12, "I am circumcised by the Spirit when I am buried with Jesus in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. It, it's, it's all about, you know, it's, it's like when that, that husband and that wife comes up and they say, will you take? Yeah, I'll take. Will you take? Yeah, I'll take. Love, honor, yeah. Until death do us part, maybe. I'm, I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get that. Um, yes, and we go through all this thing. And, and then you get to the end. and and can you imagine that that the the preacher says now may i present to you for the very first time today may i present to you uh again let's use a common name and if you're here today and this is your name sorry uh may i present to you mr mrs john smith and and the gal goes wait a minute my name's (laughs) subskinski baby i'd be smith but no 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 i i you go, wait a minute, we got, we got an issue. Well, why? Because, watch, as she takes his name, she's given authority to everything he has. Now Mrs. Smith can go to the bank. <laughs> and whatever he's got, she's got. There, there, there now is that authority that's been given because of that coming together. When you and I are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Acts 2 talks about it, Acts 8 talks about it, Acts 10 talks about it, Acts 19 talks about it, and every time it talks about baptism, it says in the name of the Lord Jesus or in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you come to that place, why? Because you are now entering into his authority. You now have a right to use his name. And I want to tell you, if you don't have that right and you try to use it, you can get in trouble. Seven sons of Skeva found that out real quick. They said uh, to the demon-possessed guy, <clears throat> seven of them, we adjure you. That means we take authority over you. By the name that Paul preaches, by in the name of Jesus come out, and those demons went, I know Paul. I know Jesus. Who are you? And the Bible says that that one guy whipped seven, tore their clothes off of them, and they became the first recorded streakers in history. (laughs) Why? Because they didn't have the authority. There's something that have. Baptism is not just something we do because. No, no, no. Baptism is where you come to that place. Of receiving the authority and experiencing the authority to use the name of Jesus just like my wife has the authority to be a couples now I have the authority through baptism to say in the name of Jesus be healed in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and I experience the power of that name and so no longer am I standing looking at a picture Say, man, that looks kind of fun. No, no, no. I've got off the bank. I've gotten into the boat. And I'm riding with Jesus. And I'm seeing everything he's got for my life. And I'm experiencing his power and his glory. Thank you for tuning in today. Please join Pastor Couples next week for another message designed to help you successfully live the Spirit-empowered life please log on to our website at www.loveandtruthchurch.com or visit us in person on Oilwell Road in Jackson. And remember, God wants you to lead a Spirit-empowered life.